I hope you're excited. I'm excited this evening. I want to talk about something that I think is going to be hopefully really helpful for you, encouraging for you, something that I think has the potential to transform the way that you live your everyday life. But first, story time. Uh, Last week, my family was at the coast. And we were kind of chilling out. We're also doing something a little bit different tonight. So you might see some pictures and stuff flicking up in the background. That's just for those of you who have an attention span of like 10 seconds. We'll try to keep something new up there. So you just, you know, someone's thanking me already. They're like, honey, was that Moe's? Yeah. He's like, keep my attention, brother. Um, but we had a family holiday recently and we were walking down kind of uh, through, along the Noosa River and we saw a boat hire place. That's my son, Zeke. He is a boss, right? He runs the show. That's him. That was his expression the whole time we were on this boat, which is what we happened to do. We walked past a boat hire place. We thought, oh, we should check out, you know, how much it is to hire a boat. Turned out it was a lot cheaper than we expected. And we thought, all right, let's, let's do this. This will be some fun family memories. Um, and we waited around a little while, and, and they finally kind of got themselves sorted out, and they took the boat in, not kind of on the jetty, but into the beach. And the guy's like, we're going to launch you from here. And he explained it to me. He's like, have you ever, ever piloted a boat before? And I said, yes, I'm an expert. Um, which is not entirely true, but I thought, how hard can it be? And he kind of like showed me the controls. It was like a kind of throttle thing, and it was basically like forward, forward faster, forward fastest kind of thing, and then backwards stop. It was pretty simple. And I, I thought, I've got this. And he turns us around. He's like, I'm just going to push you off, and then you can just give it like a bit of throttle until you get out from where all the other boats are, and then, you know, you'll be good to go. And so that's my, my daughter actually teaching me how to, how to do it. And so he pushes the boat, and we start going out kind of amongst all the other boats. And I, I grab the throttle thing, and I push it forward, and the, the engine roars to life for about five seconds. And we, we start shooting out towards the river, and then it just stops the engine's completely dead, and we're just adrift. And I'm starting to, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat. They don't, they kind of go where they want, right, when you're not driving them because the current drives them. So we're moving forward, and all of a sudden, now we're going sideways and starting to go backwards, and there's all these expensive boats parked everywhere. And I'm here in this dodgy little dinghy, just like at the mercy of the current. And so we start yelling out to the boat guy. We're like, hey, 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 the boat's dead. It stopped working. And, and he kind of like comes out like waist deep water. And he's, he's like being a little bit condescending. Uh, he, he's like, did you hit the kill switch? And I'm like, nah, I'm, I swear I'm trying to start it like you showed me how to start it. And, and he ends up kind of wading over the poor guy, you know, he's like in his work clothes and now he's like up to his chest in water and he pulls his back in a little bit. And, and as he's looking at everything and I'm turning the key, all of a sudden it fires and it starts up again. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And I'm thinking, I don't know what went wrong. Maybe I stalled it. I don't know. And he's like, no, it's all good. I'll give you another push. And he pushes us. And I like put the thing forward again. And this time it actually gets us going a little while. And we start to almost get out to like where the river is. And it dies again. And it starts going sideways and start going backwards. And there's all these expensive whale watching boats. And I'm thinking, what's the, what, am I liable for this? Because did I, did I do this? Did I break it? And, and we're yelling out to this guy again. And, and this time we're out so deep, he has to swim to us. So he has swims over to the boat and he gets us and he kind of like slowly starts kind of moving us back in towards shore. And 
puts it up on the jetty and his other work colleague comes over and it turns out the, the, the guy was new on the job and um, and I'm thinking, what have we done? Like, they've given us a broken boat. Like, I, I know that I haven't done this. And, and what had actually happened was they, they kind of looked around for a second and the more experienced guy goes, ah, I see the problem. And, and I thought, I was a bit suspicious that maybe it was out of fuel. I thought, maybe this is the problem. And the guy goes, there's no fuel tank. And I'm like, what? And so it turns out, as you can see in the picture just there, see that big red thing? That's the fuel tank. Um, It was not in our boat. So we had a boat with no fuel tank, and he was just sending us into the mercy of the the tides of the great Noosa River with no fuel tank. And and they came over quite apologetic, carrying a fuel tank, and kind of plops it in the back and plugs it in, like kind of just connects this pipe to it. And he's like, "All right, now, now you're good to go." And and after that, we were we were good to go. But it was it, it was funny, you know, in that how scary it can be when you're adrift in the middle of a powerful river, when you don't actually have really any control over where you're going. And it just made me kind of thinking, it got me thinking about how it's really important that we have the right stuff fueling us in our life, hey? That the fuel that was inside the engine was enough to keep us going for five, ten seconds at a time. But eventually, when that ran out, we weren't able to go anywhere. So tonight, I've called the message, What's Fueling You? What's Fueling You? You see, there's many different things in our life that can fuel us, that can motivate us, that things that drive us, the things that determine the decisions we make and the things that determine the actions that we take. There's many different things that can fuel us. And often we're fueled by the needs that we have, right? We're missing something and we're fueled by a desire to see that thing fulfilled. Whatever that is, we're missing something. It's like when we're hungry, right? That's what drives us to leave our house at 11 p.m. at night and go to the Macca's drive-thru because I'm driven by my need for some nuggies, the need for nuggies. That would have been a great message title, just by the way. If you're taking notes, that's the alternate message notes title, need for nuggies anyway. um, That's what, what drives us. We're fueled by seeing the needs within our life fulfilled. Now, even kind of secular psychology hints at these things. There's a guy called Abraham Maslow, And he has what's called the hierarchy of needs theory, which states that our actions are motivated by certain physiological and psychological needs that progress from basic to complex. So basically, this is the little triangle that this guy made. What is that in the middle of the screen? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I feel like pulling it off. Oh, it's no, it's not. It's, oh, it's actually a hole in the graphic. There you go. Uh, I thought it was a bit of duct tape. I thought, I thought maybe one of the tech guys just got mad and threw some tape at me. Um, and and he kind of goes through this, this hierarchy of needs and, and saying that to actually reach the greater need of self-actualization or, or living to be all that you can be, first you need to complete these needs in these order. So the first one's like physiological stuff. You need to sleep. You need to eat. You'll be driven by that need. It'll distract you from everything else until you can fulfill that need. Then it goes on to safety things, which is like, you know, having locks on your house. It's having a roof over your head. It's knowing that you're secure financially. Until you can secure those needs, it's really hard to move on. And I think it's interesting what he suggests comes next is a need for love and belonging. 
and then a need for a healthy esteem or a need for somebody to value you. And basically what he's suggesting is until you meet those needs, you'll never actually be able to move on to greater things. And can I just put it this way? I want to hijack his hierarchy this evening. And I want to say, if you are too distracted by the needs in your life, you'll never live the full life that God's calling you to live. You'll never live a life that's of purpose, that's for other people, if you cannot find the source for the needs in your life. If we cannot find an ultimate source, we'll probably just find ourselves a little adrift in life, floating from place to place, looking for something that fulfilled me, looking for something that starts my engine for five or ten seconds, that, that gives me a rush, that encourages me along just a little bit. I, I wonder if you've ever felt adrift in life. You know, the Oxford Dictionary definition is really interesting. The first one, no surprises, is so, is, so as to float without being either moored or steered. So the cargo ship went adrift. But I think the second definition, and this is from the Oxford Dictionary, is really interesting. So as to be without purpose, direction, or guidance. Isn't that interesting? I I think if we don't actually find an ultimate source for some of the needs that are within us, we actually end end up living a life that looks a little bit like this. A little bit purposeless, directionless. A life that's without guidance. And we can find ourselves, if we're not getting this stuff, this, this self-worth, this self, a, a worth and a value, if we're not finding that actually, we, if we don't have a place to find our confidence, what we can find is we find ourselves adrift on the vast sea of insecurity, desperate just for a sip of affirmation. If somebody would only tell me I was important, And all of a sudden, my actions are motivated by, they're fueled by this need, just that that somebody would like me, that somebody would love me, that somebody would accept me. And and if we don't, if we're not careful, we end up sailing into all the wrong places. It's why we get into that relationship that everybody around us can see is so toxic. They're like, the whole man is just a red flag. That's what he is. And yet we're so blinded by it because we just want to fulfill that need. We just want to just put something in the tank just to keep us going just a little bit longer. It's why we spend hours getting a photo just hoping that we might get a few likes on it because it feels good and and every one of those little Instagram notifications just makes me feel a little bit better. It's why we send risky photos. It's why we push the boundaries in a relationship just so that maybe we can feel loved or we become pressured into being the person that we think everybody wants us to be instead of becoming the person who God actually created us to be. Because we've got this need and we're just, we're, we're looking for something, to some fuel to put in the engine. We're looking for just a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of love, a little bit of a sense that I belong. And if we're not careful, if we don't find an ultimate source for these things, we end up just going from place to place without purpose, not moving forward, not living a life that's greater than ourselves, not living what God has called us to be. So what is fueling you? It's interesting that the opposite of a drift or the antonym is actually accompanied or connected. 
Actually, if you don't want to be adrift, it's not necessarily about being tied down. It's about staying connected. And just like in my boating story, the, the solution to feeling adrift was to be connected to an ultimate fuel source, to be connected to something that was going to keep me going to where I wanted to go, to, keep me, to be connected to something that wasn't actually going to run dry, to be connected to something that could keep me going so that I didn't have to go looking for everything. I didn't have to go looking for just a little bit more. I had it in the boat. I was accompanied by a fuel source that lasted. And with Jesus, I want to encourage you. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to live insecure, worried about what others might think, constantly searching for something that you can't find within yourself, constantly searching for something that makes you feel valuable. In Jesus, you can find security, you can find confidence, you can find value, you can find purpose, you can, live, you can find the strength that it required to live the great big life that you were called to live. Is that good news, somebody? You can find that in Jesus. But it's funny how sometimes we still go searching for it in other places. And what I want to do this evening, I just want to kind of point something out about Jesus' life. Because obviously we read about his life, right? And he's the ultimate picture of confidence, right? He's the dude who just like walks into the temple and starts flipping over tables. And he's like, yo, don't sell stuff here, okay? This is, this is not, people shouldn't have to pay for their sin. That's messed up. And he just starts flipping tables and everyone's like, whoa. And then it says that he made like a whip out of, out of something and starts casting people out. Like, get out of here. That's confidence, man. Jesus has got some confidence. You know, he heals people. He walks into the room with a sick child and says, no, she's only sleeping. Man, Jesus is the picture of confidence. He's the picture of living a life of purpose. Of, of everything Jesus does is for a purpose that's greater than himself. He's the ultimate picture of it. But what I think is really interesting is something really important happens before any of that. When we read about Jesus, we read about, you know, his birth, obviously, the miraculous birth of Jesus and the wise man, all that stuff. And then it kind of goes quiet for like 30 years. And then Jesus kind of just like pops back onto the scene. And this is what happens in Matthew 3, 13 to 17. It says, Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan, to be baptized by John. Now, what's really interesting about this is uh, John the Baptist has been baptizing people. He's like this wild bushy, like he's just been out in the bush and he's, you know, eating like grasshoppers and stuff. He's this wild dude. He said, there's this guy coming. He's going to change the world. He's going to be the savior. And then Jesus comes to him and says, you've got to baptize me. Now, John's like, Hey, I've been telling everyone they need to get baptized by you. I need to get baptized by you, Jesus. I don't need to baptize you. And so John, it says he tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And I can just imagine John's like, I don't know what I'm doing here, man. And he baptizes Jesus. And it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This is before Jesus did any miracles. This is before Jesus transformed the world. This is before Jesus preached 
This is before Jesus fed the 5,000. You could say he hadn't done any of those works. And yet God says to him, this is my son who I love and, who, and, and with who I am well pleased. Hello. <laughs> he, he says, this is my son. Who, before you do anything, I want you to know this. You're my son. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. Before you do anything else, know this. Before you do anything, before you chase anything else, know that I can fulfill those needs. And I think if we want to walk with confidence, if we want to live a life of significance, if we don't want to live a life searching for the next thing that fills that hole within us, running from fuel source to fuel source, desperately seeking affirmation, desperately seeking something else, we need to make sure that we have our tank filled with the same fuel that Jesus had his tank filled with. Are you with me? So I want to just look at three things that I think are foundational foundational things we know if we want to live a great big life that's full of purpose. The first thing we got to know, if we want to live a life of confidence, a life of security, is we got to know that we belong. You belong is the first thing that God said to Jesus. This is my son. Hey, I'm sorry, kiddos. This is probably a bit distracting. You guys running around everywhere. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm the guy who needs all the pictures up there to keep me focused. So sorry. Um, you, it's the first thing that Jesus said. The first thing that God said to Jesus, this is my son. In other words, what he was saying, you are a part of my family. I think it's so important. It is a foundational, fundamental need within all of us to know that we belong, to know that we can be a part, that we're actually a valued part of something, that there is somewhere for us to belong. We'll never be motivated to pursue all that God has called us to if we're constantly searching for a place to belong. And I think it's where we see all over society, people compromising their identity just out of the fear of people won't accept me. I, I won't belong if people find out who I really am. I won't, if people, if people knew what I was really like, I wouldn't belong. It's where we have people changing the way they act, putting on this mask of the party person where they're around certain people, just so people will accept them, just because they're looking for a place to belong. But God says, this is my son. This is my child. Hey, before you did anything, you belong. You have a place. You're a part of the family. I love what it says in Galatians 4, uh, 4 to 7, which it says, and it, it says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You have a place in God's family. You belong in God's family. So what's fueling you? What, what, where are you looking for that sense of belonging? Are you looking for it everywhere out there? Or are you connecting to the source, connecting to God and getting your sense of belonging from Him? Because the issue with belonging out there, it changes. 
So you belong one day, you won't belong the next. You belong until you make a mistake, you won't belong the next. But the thing is, with being a part of a family, it's just in who you are. You belong. You are a child of God. You know, we have a, a thing called family dinner with my family, semi-irregularly. Often we do tacos, and it's where the whole family just gets together. We have a meal together, and I don't have to earn a place at that table. I get to sit at that table because I'm part of the family. And I think it's the same with you. It's not, come, you have to earn something to be a part of God's table. God says, hey, if you want, there's a place for you here. There's a place that I've prepared for you at my family dinner, at the family table. And it brings this confidence knowing that I belong. You know, when I walk around my family's house, I don't like go up to mum and dad and fall on my knees and say, please, may I go to the fridge and get a drink of water? Like, I'm a son. I can get water from the fridge if I want it. Like, I, I've got this confidence, and that's what, what the Scripture is alluding to there. It's like, you're actually heirs. You actually, you actually have kind of this inheritance in God that you can be confident with because it's not determined on what you do. It's determined on who you are, and who you are is a child of God. So you belong in His house. Come on, what is fueling you? Where are you looking for that sense of belonging? Can I encourage you, if you can find it, if you would find it in God, you won't search for it ever again. I love how Jesus stands up at the festival and he says, uh, whoever is thirsty will drink again, but whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. Come on, if you can find the source in him, you will be satisfied. I can be confident in who, who I really am. The second thing God says is, you are loved. He says, whom I love. This is my son. He belongs and I love him. And I love that phrase, whom I love. And I kind of looked into the Greek for love there. And if you know, there's a few different words for love in the Bible. And this, this word is agapetos in Greek. And, and actually what it means, it, it's not just like I love you, like I'd say um, I love nuggies, you know. Uh, I, love, uh, I love long walks on the beach. Like uh, it's, it's not that kind of love. It's actually, it actually means worthy of love. So this is my son who I have looked at and found value into love, who I have found worthy of loving. And I think it's really powerful because people will do so many things just to feel loved, right? And, and I think it's more than that, not just to know that we're loved, but I think what people, the question isn't just, am I loved? The question is, am I worth loving? Am I valuable enough to actually be loved. I think that's the question on this generation's lips. Am I worth loving? And God looks at Jesus and says, I have found you worthy of my love. John 3, 16 to 17, for God so loved the world. Say so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Am I worth loving? Well, God certainly thinks so. Jesus certainly thinks that you're worth loving. Actually, he thinks you're so worth it that he would come to earth and give his life as ultimate proof that you are loved, that you belong in the family, that nothing could separate you from him because he so loved you. He found you worth loving. And I think some of us, man, we, sometimes we're, we're, we're guilty of going to the wrong source of our worth for our worth, trying to go places that maybe make us feel valuable, doing things that make us feel valuable. But your value is not determined by that. Your value is determined 
by God. You know, I love the old, this is an old example, and you've probably seen it, but I'll do it again because it, it's, it's forever embedded in my mind. If I was to hold this up to you, right, how much is that worth? 20 bucks, right? If someone said this is only worth 19, I would be like, you are wrong, according to the Australian government who minted this piece of plastic at $20. It's also cool because you can see through it. And if you've traveled the world, it's cool because it's not actually made from paper. Paper money, not good, especially in humid climates, sweat, yuck, it's gross. Um, but that's worth $20, right? If I, if I scrunch it up a little bit, what's it worth? 20 bucks. If I throw it on the ground and abandon it, what's it worth? If I get it and I say, you are the ugliest $20 note I have ever seen in my life. I'm sorry to whoever's on the $20 note. I don't actually know. Sorry, Mary Ribley. Um, How much is it worth? If I say, you're only worth $10, how much is it worth? (laughs) 20 bucks, right? (laughs) The point is that its value is, is not from how I treat it. It's not from how I say it. Its value comes from the person who created it and put a worth on it. And God created you and he put a worth on you. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter what anybody, do, uh, anybody does to you. It doesn't matter what you do. God says you are worthy of love. Why? Because he wanted to love you. It gave him pleasure to create you, to give you purpose, to love you. Your value doesn't come from the things around you or the things that you do or the things that people say to you. Your value comes from God. And he says, you're worthy of loving. He says, the value I put on you can't be changed. That's, you're worth, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how far you run. You're worthy of love. So the question is, where are you looking for love? Do you know that you're loved? Do you know that you're valuable? That I think a good way to know if you think you're valuable is to, to look at how do you treat yourself. How do you treat yourself? Has anyone ever seen those YouTubers who like get really expensive things and destroy them? Does that frustrate anyone else? Like where they're like, I bought a Maserati and I crashed it into a tree. I'm like, oh, you should have given it to me. <laughs> New Xbox One, will it fall off the roof of a skyscraper? No, don't do that. Right? If something's valuable to you, you treat it well, right? You, you treat it preciously. You, you won't settle for just throwing it in the back of your ute if it's something that's... You don't get your best wine glasses and just sit them in the back of the tray of your ute and be, ah, that'd be right. That'd be fine. How do you treat it? Do you treat yourself like you're loved? Do you act like you're valuable and precious? Do you know your worth? Is that where... Is that the source of your fuel? Is that the source of your love? Does it come from a God who loves you? And when you look at yourself, you might say, yeah, I know God loves me, but do you act like it? Do you treat yourself like you're actually valuable? The final thing God said is, with him, I'm well pleased. This is my son. This is my child whom I love. And with him, I'm well pleased. You know that God's actually pleased with you? God is pleased with you. You know, I had to really wrestle with, with this because I'm like, it's like, I feel like there's this tension here between God's pleased with me and I can do whatever I want. Like, knowing God's pleased with me doesn't necessarily mean that I can just run. But, but God's actually pleased. When he looks at you, he says, man, I'm pleased with you. And what I think it is, is it's something that we call righteousness. 
It's being right with God. It's essentially God saying, we're good. And sometimes we can feel like, but I messed up. But I hurt some people. But I did some bad stuff. I thought some bad thoughts. And I did some stuff that I don't know if it's, you know, really building my life. And God says, we're good. We're good. With you, I am pleased. It's an invitation to relationship. We're good. Jesus looks at you and says, I'm pleased. And you know what's awesome about that? It doesn't mean, okay, now I'm just going to do nothing. It's actually, I know that God's pleased with me. And knowing that God's pleased with me, knowing that I'm good with God, I'm actually motivated to follow Him even more. It's funny. People say, don't talk too much about grace or people might go wild. And actually, the more I learn about God's grace, the more I want to be like Him, the more I realize how much God loves me, the more I want to follow Him, the more I want to understand His great plan for my life because He actually cares about me. And He looks at me and He says, I am pleased. Romans 3, 21 to 24 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God is pleased with you. Sometimes we fall in this trap of striving to please people, striving to make people happy. I don't know if I'm the only one here. Is there any other people pleasers here this evening, this evening where it's like, I just kind of, there's deep down inside me, there's this need to like make people happy. Like if Talitha is always, always kind of laughing at me about it. Cause it's like, if, if I order a latte and they bring me a hazelnut McFrappe, I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> How did you nail it? If I order the steak and they bring me chicken, I'm like, great. I, I love it. The meal was fantastic. I just, I want to like please people and, and I have to wrestle with that. But it can be really unhealthy when like we feel like we really have to please God in that sense. Like God will only love me if I'm better. Like, I just, I need to be better and then God will love me. I, I need to do more good things and then God will be pleased with me. Whereas God looks at you and he says, no, I am pleased with you. Hey, I want to look at two things really quick as we wrap up. So come on, if we want to live secure, if we want to live confident, we've got to know that we belong. We've got to find that in Jesus. We've got to know that we're loved. We've got to find that in Jesus. We've got to know that God is pleased with us. You know, Jesus did one thing. The one thing he did was trust says that he was getting baptized. He took this step of getting baptized, which he was essentially saying, God, I'm wholeheartedly submitting to your plan for my life. Essentially what he said was, I'm not looking to any other fuel sources. I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I don't care what my plan might seem better. I don't care how much people put me down. My confidence is in you, God. And then God responds by saying, this is my son who I love and who in, in whom I am well pleased. Come on, if you want to find this level of confidence, this acceptance, a place of belonging, a place of love, all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I want you to be my ultimate source. I think it's important. You know, the question, what's fueling you? I think it's important that we actually consistently check our heart. Hey, what's, what's driving me to make these decisions? Am I acting like the kind of person who's loved? Or am I looking somewhere else to fuel 
that engine? Am, am, I, am I getting that from God or am I looking elsewhere? Am I acting like someone who belongs in the house of God? Am I acting like someone who's already pleasing to God? Or am I trying to earn something? You know, a few years ago, um, I was at a conference in Tokyo, and it was where our whole church movement, Lifehouse, got together. We had Lifehouse Conference. It was nuts. I think there's a couple of pictures of it. Um, it was this crazy thing. Oh, this is one of my favorite pictures of the conference. Look at that dude. That's not Photoshop, by the way. He got launched, man. That guy's name's Jed, and he got launched. Uh, and that was during the praise. It was, it was wild. You know, there's like maybe a couple of thousand people there. And it was this great time where all of our campuses from all over Asia came together and it was really powerful. We had a couple of guest speakers with us um, that were from a big church in America. And I remember one of the guys' name was Pastor Lane, uh, Lane Schrantz. And he's an amazing guy. But it was interesting, over the first couple of days of conference, um, there was somebody else that, that I knew that I was close to that was like getting a lot of encouragement from the guest speakers. They, they were like really just calling him out and being like, this guy's a legend. Look at what he's doing. Man, God's moving through. They're like really prophesying over him and encouraging him and being like, you know, hey, stand up. Look at this guy. Isn't he awesome? Like in all the meetings, they're all talking about that guy. And, and I found myself kind of getting pretty jealous, if I can be honest. And, and I started thinking to myself, why is he getting all that? Why aren't I getting any of that? You know, like, I feel like I've deserved and, I, and I've earned some of that. Like, I'm doing a pretty good job too, you know? Does he know about me? Does he, does he know about what I'm doing? And, and I actually started to get really jealous of my friend. Instead of supporting him and celebrating with him, I was actually really jealous in my heart. I was like, instead of being like, what a champion. Yeah, I agree. He's a legend. I was thinking, they should be saying that about me. And can I just, I'm being pretty vulnerable here, if that's cool. This is like, can, can I just be honest? Can we just shut down anything of like the pastor's got it all together? Man, I ain't got it together, but I'm working on it. I'm heading in the right direction. Um, but this is, this is stuff. Like if you're struggling with this kind of stuff, can I just say it's okay? It's normal to struggle with this stuff. You've just got to respond well to it. So for a couple of days, man, I'm like, I'm really struggling because I'm like, I, I just am so hungry for some affirmation. Like I just would really love somebody to say that I'm doing a great job. Um, I'd really love that affirmation. And I remember just recognizing on like the second day of the conference and just realizing, man, this isn't healthy. Like this is changing how I'm seeing my friend. It's desperately insecure. And and I had to come to this place and it was really a wrestle to kind of say, "Um, I don't need that. And, and, And to really go, God, I'm going to let you be the source of my affirmation. And, and I remember it was kind of just a process of, of trusting God over like a whole day where every time that thought would come into my head, I'd be like, no, nah, my friend is a legend. He is awesome. That's right. It's great. I don't need that. I've got that from God. I'm affirmed in God. I don't need somebody to affirm me because God is my affirmation. I don't need that person to tell me I'm doing a great job. I just need God to be pleased with me. I don't need someone to publicly declare that I'm loved and a part of the family because I know that I've already got that in Jesus. And I went through this day-long process. And I remember um, kind of that night, it was a night session, just being like, God, I've just got to, I've just got to let it go. Like, God, can you come do some heart surgery? I gotta, I gotta reconnect to you. I don't want to be just searching this affirmation in other places. And I remember feeling like 
I'd actually let it go. And the next day we got up and we kind of go to conference. Um, and we uh, like, I, you know, it's the first session of the day or whatever. And I remember feeling like, man, I actually feel like I've dealt with this. And, and the session started and, you know, some encouragement went out to a few people. And I was able to be there and be like, I'm cool with this. That's awesome. That's so true. Come on, I'm so glad that they're celebrating that person. Isn't that amazing? And it was like I found this security and I don't need that from anybody. And then the most interesting thing happened. At the end of the session, this guy, Lane Tran, I think we've got a picture of him, Pastor Lane. Uh, there he is with Kirby translating to Japanese. And he, um, he said, he, he like called out to Letha and I. And he said, stand up. And he stood us up in front of the whole conference. And he said, these two are heroes doing massive things for God in Taipei. And they're embodying exactly what I'm speaking about this morning. They are absolute heroes. And everyone gave us this big round of applause and he sat us down. And it was like the most incredible thing ever. And I think it was like in that moment, God said, if you can keep it out of your heart, I'll affirm you all day. Like you can get that publicly. If you'll just stop desiring it to fuel your life, I'll give it to you. It's not, if, if you need it, man, you won't enjoy it. It'll send you all over the place. But if you can get your affirmation straight from the source, wait to see how much you can enjoy it when somebody actually affirms you. And I went from, man, and I think it's such a freeing revelation that if you can get your affirmation from God, God, then you can actually enjoy it when people encourage you. It's not like, oh, well, that was an average encouragement. That's only going to get me through a couple of days. You don't come to church like, oh, who's going to encourage me tonight? No, you come to church encouraged and excited and affirmed because I'm a son. I belong in this house. I am well-loved. I am valuable. I am confident. God is pleased with me. And what's that? You think my shoes look nice? Thank you. I can enjoy that because it's not what's fueling me. What's fueling me is Jesus. So come on, imagine how strong and secure you can be. I don't have to go chasing after affirmation by impressing people, striving hard in my own strength, being pushed around by the opinions of others. I just need to stay connected to the source. Hey, a couple of questions. Do you believe you belong in God's family? Do you honestly believe that? And are you walking with the confidence of somebody who belongs? Or are you desperately looking for a place to to belong? You're desperately looking for somewhere to fit in. Check your heart. Are you confident of God's love for you? Or are you constantly looking for it somewhere else? Do you treat yourself like you're valuable and worthy of love like God says you are? And where do you go looking for affirmation? Are you looking for it in people? Or are you finding it in God, knowing that He's pleased, that you're doing a great job? They're doing way better than you think, that He's for you. And I really think that if we can get the right source, if we can look in our hearts and say, what's actually fueling me here? Is it a confidence that comes from God or is it a need for something from somebody else? I think if we can be fueled by what God says about us, that's where we can actually live a life of difference. That's where we can live a life of purpose. That's where we can live a life that leaves an impact that's so much greater than ourselves. Hey, would you stand with me this evening? I hope you've been encouraged. I guess it's kind of a challenging thing. Uh, so I understand that. Man, for me, that was probably one of, like, was seriously hard to actually let go of that need. But I just really feel this evening that God wants to set some people free from that. And that maybe you've been here this evening and you've been really motivated by what other people think about you or how other people look at you. 
I, I just really love to pray. Like we sung in that, that song before, that in His presence there's freedom. I just really like to pray and, and stand with you and believe that you would experience that freedom this evening, that you'd be able to walk out of this room tonight knowing that you don't have to go earning that stuff somewhere, that you can find that freely in Jesus. So would we just close our eyes, just a moment of privacy. And if that's you, I just want to ask you to do something brave. If you're like, that's me on some level, I've been looking for somewhere else for what I should have been looking in God. Would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Again, maybe it's affirmation. Yeah, plenty of hands. That's awesome. You're like, I've been looking for somewhere else for affirmation, for encouragement, but I need to find that from God. Yeah, heaps of people. Awesome. Well, Jesus, we just thank you that you're the ultimate source of all those things. And I just pray for anyone here that's struggling, just like I was those years ago, just like I sometimes still struggle with, God, looking in the wrong places for that affirmation, for that desire to fit in. Jesus, we just pray for a real freedom to come over them right now, that you'd, you'd release them from the prison of others' expectations. Release them from the expectation of having to fit in somebody's box and having to impress somebody and having to change who they are to belong. And Jesus, I just pray right now that you would touch people's hearts and fill them with the confidence and assurance of belonging in your house, of being worthy of being loved, and of pleasing you. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, just as we keep our eyes closed for one more moment, maybe you're here this evening and you've never actually connected with Jesus in a way of maybe making a decision to follow after Him. And you've heard about all these things He has for you and you wonder, is that for me? Can I just encourage you, friend? It is so for you. It's just as much for you as it has been for me. And so tonight, if you'd like to maybe make a decision of, I'd like to make a decision to go on a journey of following Jesus, of of working that out, of, of, of finding those things in Him, I'd love to pray for you as well. So if, if you'd be really brave, would you just raise your hand on three if that's you? You're saying, I'd like to, maybe I don't understand what it means totally to follow Jesus, but I know it's something that I want to start doing. I want to, want to start exploring that. Um, would you just raise your hand on three? And I'd love to pray for you. One, two, three. Right now, just shoot your hand up nice and high. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow. Maybe it's just you made a decision and tonight. You're saying, I'm coming back. I want to start following you again. Awesome. Well, Jesus, we just thank you that you guide us, that you love us, that as we put our faith in you, that you would fill us with all the things we need, God, that you would meet our needs from the most basic of human needs, from safety and security all the way through for that need of belonging, a need to be loved, a need to have our um, esteem and encouragement come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and if that was you, you made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand. Pastor Sarah's going to come and she's going to tell you what you can do next if that's you.